Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land on which the House of Sin and Studio stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. This is the OST podcast, original soundtrack on Sin Nation. Catch us live from 7pm every Tuesday on Sin Nation. Hello, everybody. You're listening to OST, original soundtrack here on Sin Nation. As you heard from that very vivid, uh, what's the best way to put it? Transportative intro. <laughs> we are doing video games today because we are a music show that deep deep dives into music behind some of our favorite movies, TV shows, and video games. We've been doing movies for the past couple weeks, so we thought it was time to jump into video games it's time to tell your mum you can't pause because it's an online game and ask your older brother if you can use the Xbox because tonight we'll be talking about our favourite video game soundtracks. We're looking at game soundtracks special to us and I guess mainly focusing on the era close to us, which for me is the PS2 era, but I guess with some of the other things we'll be talking about, other eras entirely. To help us out, we have on board none other than the former Sin Nation Player One executive producer and resident game expert is Cash. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been quite a while since I've been in the studio, but it's, it's exciting. Is it nice being back in this dark, enclosed room, talking yeah. to microphones while trying to communicate with other human beings yeah, in no, the room? It's fun. It's yeah. better than being outside right now, so I'm, uh, I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. you have come to the right place to seek refuge tonight <laughs> here on OST. Um, it's Erin and Paul here, as it is every yeah. single week. And yeah, we are joined by Cash. And I guess to kick things off... I wanted to ask you guys why you think, and it might be an obvious question, but I thought it was worth discussing regardless in terms of our personal experience. Why do you think like, the soundtrack of a video game is so important? Um, I guess for me, soundtracks are just incredibly important because they kind of like set the tone for a game. I mean, if it's, if it's done well, it definitely sets the tone for a game. Like, it just really emphasises, I guess, the feelings and the mood and the vibe of the game. And I think that's really important for a game to have because without it, if you're just throwing in like random audio files or something, mm. you're just you know, like, oh, what is that? What does that sound? To use an example of like a bad example of just random audio usage, and it's not a video game; it's it's a movie. And I'm sorry, but Suicide Squad just did that <laughs> awfully. <laughs> Absolutely, they just threw movies in. Oh, sorry, songs in just randomly, and it was. Sometimes there's video games that do that. They yeah, just no, have like random. It's just not nice. Yeah, just songs like come out of nowhere. Sounds and it's like totally unnecessary. Yeah. but I mean, as you said, Paul, we've mostly been talking about film and um, a little bit of TV. So I think it was just important to kind of address that, that I think soundtrack is like so pivotal in how a game works because it's all about that immersive exactly. kind of experience that you yeah. don't necessarily get with a film or with a TV. Well, like a game has to reel you in for more time than a TV show and a movie. Yeah. Um, it has to like bring you back every time. A movie just, you have to watch it once um, and you kind of technically don't have to see it ever again, but with games, it just has to keep you in the world the entire time. So I actually really not only envy but also <laughs> kind of don't envy video game composers because it must be so hard just coming up with these melodies and stuff that has to keep you in mm. a game this entire time. And there's so many good video game compositions that are out there, but <laughs> it must be really hard yeah. doing it. It's a rough world. 
What are we looking at first, Paul? What's our first game on the schedule? Um, well, I think we. I really wanted to talk about Ratchet and Clank because uh, it's a video game from my childhood that I think has a really iconic soundtrack and really kind of epitomizes what I was talking about with world building and creating immersion. So Ratchet and Clank came out in 2002 when we were all little babies. We... Um, we, yeah, maybe me, not your you. listeners, maybe, but us. Maybe not Cash either, but... Oi, oi, nah. You were functioning, like, we were still kind of in nappies and shitting ourselves, but... It has a really... Seven. <laughs> it has a really interesting voice cast, actually. So Mikey Kelly played Ratchet. This was the first and last time he'd ever play the character. Um, it was picked up by another voice actor for the in- rest of the entire, like, 14 video game long yeah, series. A- um, Mikey Kelly has that kind of TMNT voice to him because he actually played Michelangelo in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for for quite some time. Is there, a, like, a definitive TMT voice? Well, he, he talks like this. He's like, whoa, I'm Ratchet. Um, David Kaye <laughs> plays Clank with a really iconic voice. I thought that was just you on, on a night out. That's, no. That's what that sounds like. Um, Jim Ward plays Captain Quark. Kevin Michael Richardson plays Chairman Drek, the, sh- uh, the video game's villain. You may know him as Captain Gantu from Lilo and Stitch. He's kind of like the, the guy Gantu. who looks like a shark. Oh. Um, he has he has that voice. Um, Mona Marshall as Helga and Neil Flynn, the janitor from Scrubs, plays a character in this. He's the plumber. No way. Does he play the plumber? Yeah. Oh my god. Isn't that funny? <laughs> oh the, the janitor plays the, the plumber. I don't know. He's just a really good tradesman. He can <laughs> work across the he's, board. He's played so many tradesmen in, in all these things. Of course, so great. Uh, the platform it was on was PS2. It would further go to PS3 and then PS4, but it originated on the PS2. It was developed by Insomniac Games, and it features original music by David Bergeaud, uh, who's also known as Core. And he's a crazy French producer who kind of is an anarchist now <laughs> in a really weird way. He's like a film director as well. He directed a like really controversial documentary about Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain. Oh, boy. After making this soundtrack, this was, I guess this was like the start of his career and being an anarchist, and then he went on to do, like, music documentaries, but this was the start, and the plot is follows. Ratchet, the last known of his species, the Lombax, pairs up with a defected warbot, Clank, to navigate an exaggeratedly capitalistic galaxy to defeat literally Trump. Yeah. The bad guy in this game is literally Trump. Actually, I'm it's gonna, got the hairpiece Yeah, I'm, I'm just about to Google it because I'm getting <laughs> memories much. of the hairpiece yeah. now and I just want to <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. confirm that thought. And the main reason we chose this, uh, I guess I chose this game is, as a very privileged child, um, I was gifted a big, blocky, disgusting PS2 at a very young age, uh, probably for like my third birthday or something. The PS2 is gorgeous. What are you talking about? No, the about? original one. Yeah, not no, not the, the one, the top loader. This is the original one where it looks like a DVD player. Yeah, no, that's oh. beautiful. But it's so blocky and gigantic. <laughs> I know, but it's a DVD it, player. It lasted like 10 years. It was great. Yeah, mine still works. Oh, it's great. Oh, man. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I think with my console, I got a copy of Ratchet and Clank and Jack and Daxter, so the two kind of original OG games. Um, and since then, I know these games back to front uh, from the amount of time I've played them, which Jack and Daxter actually has been re-released on the PS4. Yeah. Um, so if you're actually a fan of those games and you have a PS4, you can download it, yeah, which is really awesome. Yeah, you in a package, I believe. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. awesome. Um, Ratchet & Clank, though, is an example of an ultra-violent game that's really suitable for kids. It's like a really weird kind of mix of the two. There's massive guns and weapons, and there's espionage, and there's murder, and there's socioeconomic problems, but it never gets too much for a kid, but it's also edgy enough for an adult or teen to enjoy. So, yeah, there's like a whole planet you go to, and it's literally a war. Yeah, and there's references to like, Apocalypse Now and 
Full Metal Jacket that kids won't get, but it's literally a war zone. <laughs> I was going to like raise that idea of how a, a game that's so popular with children lasts that long and you know spans across generations for popularity, but I think you just kind of answered it there with like the thematic notions of it all. Yeah, the... it's like you can pick this game up today yeah. and it has the same amount of humour and comedy and smartness to it that some games today don't even have, which yeah. is really cool. The early PS2 era is an interesting time because... It was a time where platformers were kind of dying. It was a trend that used to be cool with Nintendo and the Nintendo 64 and PlayStation 1 and Crash Bandicoot and Sonic. But in this time, it was kind of fading away and people were trying to make up characters that would kind of still make it through. Like, Mario didn't have to do anything. Like, yeah. Mario was just living it up in Nintendo. Um, Nintendo had just had the one character and they just... Yeah, and then made a game with him every mm, two years, and they, they didn't throw have to in do Luigi, anything. Yoshi, and yeah. just like, oh yeah, here's some sub games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. PS2 extras. really had to struggle, but yeah, Sony were in like really deep trouble because they had to come up with completely new ideas out of nowhere in a time where no one knew what trends were and what was cool. But um, Insomniac were made to pick this, and they'd been making Spyro for three games in a row, um, and they were just tired. Literally, the reason they came up with Ratchet and Clank was because they were tired of making Spyro. So Which they were just fair. like, we have to make something else. <laughs> so they gave up on Spyro uh, and they made Ratchet and Clank. Funnily enough, though, Spyro, the remastered thing's out now. Yeah, it came yeah. out uh, today. 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 Yeah, today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening live. Yeah. Listening Which is really cool. Um, but the game world in this. I think is a really kind of pastiche look at the capitalistic West, which I can't believe I'm saying. Oh my God. Um, every planet you visit has some kind of character trying to cheat you out of money uh, or in the game is bolts. Oh yeah. Um, you can save a person's life and they'll still be like, hey, you got to pay me for this. And it's like, we just saved you. Like we just killed things that were trying to kill you. And they're still like, oh no, you have to pay for my product or you have to pay this. Or, it's very um, true. There's even a level where you visit um, the world where all the weapons in the game are being produced and you meet the CEO of the thing, and he's like, um, Ratchet saves his life, and it's like, um, we just saved your life, and he, he says, oh, if you want a discount, you're going to have to wait three years to be in a, like, get an employee discount to work with us. It's like, it's so stupid. Everyone's trying to get money out of everyone, and it's... I feel like you're reflecting a lot of internal angst that you've... Maybe, <laughs> maybe I am a little bit. <laughs> it's so funny that you don't think about any of this as a kid. You're just no, like, you're just, damn oh, it, yeah. I want my bolts. I'll yeah. give you, yeah, I'll yeah, give yeah. you a million bolts for this thing, whatever. I yeah, don't yeah. care. Um, it, it definitely translates to my real life spending. <laughs> so I, I guess that, that's where I got my, my spending habits from, this game. Um, but of course this game was remade uh, and they really screwed it up, I think. I... But Cash doesn't exactly agree. I don't think so. Like, I think... For me, they personally like kept all the same elements that were in the first game. I mean, there are a few things that were added, of course, that uh, took away a bit of the charm, which I didn't like. Um, and in terms of the soundtrack, they completely switched that up, which I don't agree with. But graphically and everything else, I'm fine with. But soundtrack-wise, yeah, and I think you agree with me on that, Paul. This is quite of a nerdy thing for me to say, but there's an hour and a half video if you want to watch on YouTube about the differences between the remake and the original, if you're interested yeah, in the Ratchet and Clank it. games. I'll watch it. Um, it's a really detailed essay if you want to if you want to watch that. All Paul does in his good time <laughs> is watch essays about old games and why restorations suck. Well, That's literally all you Well, do. I think going off the soundtrack is really important because yeah. the soundtrack is what makes the original for me in a lot of ways. Because um, when you boot up the game, like you just instantly mm. hear all the music and you're like, I'm home. Yeah, I'm home right now. But it's now. that feeling, right? And I want, just so many childhood games rely on that feeling of familiar familiarity. Like, 
this is a terrible example because it's an awful game, but the Madagascar PS2 game, <laughs> I remember the <laughs> opening track so vividly. Yeah. And it's just that it's that mental, yeah. you know, stimuli that and you need. Even then, I think now you won't find a game that has a theme that's on a loop. No. Um, mm, they've okay. created they've created games where you can't even tell if the soundtrack's different. Like if you get in a fight in a modern game like God of War or um, even the new Ratchet and Clank game, yeah, you won't hear anything that's the same. You'll hear a new thing every time because they have millions of gigabytes of free space on a disc to put all these songs on. But back then, even in PS2, you had to have loops because mm. just there wasn't space yeah. to fit in all this gargantuan soundtrack. So yeah, that's what that. made them makes them so memorable is because you literally had to hear them over, over and over and over, and over yeah. again. Because it's the same like eight notes of the Madagascar theme song <laughs> going over and over in my head right now. So yeah, you're totally right. Um, and that's why I think it's interesting that this soundtrack is entirely dance slash industrial slash orchestral dance based is because well dance heavily relies on loops and oh totally sampling it's, it's very dirty and it's, it's very a... continuous and it's very loopy um so it fits that kind of style of dance music that keeps looping and looping fits this well but it also encapsulates the world that the game is it's kind of like semi-futuristic um but at the same time it also kind of reflects movie trends and popular trends at the time because you know dance was huge in the early 2000s um, mm. So many popular songs were going away from rock music. Dance was kind of becoming the new hip pop thing. So, well, it's just technology is more I accessible. I feel like yeah. 2002 also was a very awkward time when no one really knew what was good and what wasn't. Yeah, we, we had this when oh, we were really? talking about Scooby Doo last week. It's the oh. same thing. <laughs> like no one, okay. because the Macarena and like Blink One Eighty Two were in the charts at the same time. Yeah, no one was like, was like what's, what's going on? Going on? <laughs> no one knew what was going on. Um, so in a way, the soundtrack reflects that because there's so many trends just like mm. pushed into the soundtrack that yeah. um, you know it's rocky, but it's also dancing, it's industrial. Um, the the song I've chosen is from a world called Eudora. Um, which basically in the game, the, ca- the Trump character, <laughs> um, he's such a sleazeball. He creates a new planet um, as like a business deal. So he builds this new planet and then he was going to populate it, but then he was going to destroy it again. It's, it sounds a lot like Trump, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, and That's in where this he got level, the ideas from. Yeah. Exactly. In this level, um, it's like a, a level where they're, Destroy, they're taking all the trees for the world. So they have all these robots who are destroying trees that they're going to take for another world. And the soundtrack actually sounds a lot like a machine that's kind of looping Going, and yeah. um, mm. like the cogs are turning. So it's really interesting. Um, so we're going to play you this song from the Ratchet and Clank original soundtrack by David Bergeord. It's called Eudora Logging Site, and you're on OST original soundtrack with Paul, Aaron, and our special guest, Akash. Hey, Aaron, does it sound uh, kind of quiet to you here? Now that you mention it, yeah, it's a little bit. That's due to media law and some copyright laws, so we couldn't contain music in our podcasts. If you want to hear some of the tunes that we've been playing on our show, you can head to our Spotify playlists. You can find them on our Facebook page at OST Synth. Cool. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, wise guy. Shouldn't you be on one of them escape transports? Escape transports? Newsflash, giant robots attacking. 
The escape transports are taking all the rich folks off this goddarn planet. So why aren't you on one? Socioeconomic disparity. What? He hasn't got enough bolts. Working people have to wait for Captain Quark to save us. Well, got anything worth a lot of bolts? I got this thing. Shows two weirdos ditching their ship. That is the smooth beats of Ratchet and Clank. Eudora logging site. Uh composed and made entirely by the game's composer David Bergerd, also known as Core. Why so is doing that? <laughs> David Bergerd, because he's French. David Bergerd. He's so French. He's French. Um, I watched Ratatouille the other day. Did I tell you that? <laughs> no, you didn't. It was so good. I forgot how good that movie was. Sorry, keep Do you going. remember Ratatouille the game? No. Yeah, well, there was a game? Every Disney game movie yeah, has a game. Was, I can confirm that. I can Incredibles confirm. the game, Over the Hedge the game, Cars the game. I had everything. Incredibles the game yeah, was... Yeah. The best game ever. I still play it. Are we talking about The Incredibles, the game now? Yeah. Absolutely. No. Uh, you are on OST Original Soundtrack with Paul, Aaron, and our special guest, Cash. Hello. We just talked about Ratchet and Clank, a classic of the PS2, and now we're going to jump over to another classic. Another PS2 classic. This one receiving a hell of a lot of critical acclaim in, in the gaming world and in, in the just contemporary um, entertainment landscape as well. The Grand Theft Auto franchise, specifically, we're going to be looking at San Andreas, which is my personal favourite and I think pretty much like the, the most renowned good one. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, yeah, fair to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool. Um, so San Andreas specifically was released in 2004. Um, it was released on PS2 and Xbox, but I mean, we don't have to. Uh, well, it's been, released on, it's been on release on iOS now. It's yeah, it's And it was on DS yeah. at one point. Well, yeah. and PSP, it was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how popular everything. it was. There was so much demand for it. Um, it was developed by Rockstar, which I think says a lot about um, the edginess of it. In oh, a way. yeah. I think we'll <laughs> talk about Rockstar in a little bit because yeah, yeah, they're kind of. The, uh, the kings of Edge. Yeah, Edge <laughs> lords. Um, so I guess the plot of San Andreas... Um, San Andreas itself is a city basically based just outside of... Uh, inside? Inside of Los Angeles. Um, and it's a melting pot of gang wars. Um, essentially, you just have total freedom to walk about and do whatever you want in terms of the style. So I guess that's more like a sandbox style of sandbox game. Sandbox open world. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The freedom to order drive through. Yeah. Two number nines. Go to the strippers. Yeah, you, number nine you, large. So many options. And number nine large and a, and a soda. An extra dip. I'm sorry, I love that too much. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's pretty good. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about there, we've posted a meme on our Facebook page and you can get in with the joke. Head to our well, Facebook at OST Sin. We'll all, I think we'll also post the remix of that song because there is yes. a remix. Yeah, I um, I- remix. Ironically, there's extra soundtracks to go with this, <laughs> with this thing. Well... I want to get into the soundtrack itself. Well, well, the game first, I guess. I wrote an essay at uni about this game. Here we go. And I've got, <laughs> I've got it open here. And I just want to pick apart bits and pieces about why I think this game is so important in terms of, I guess, its commercial success and its reach um, that it had as, as, a, as a video game that is incredibly violent. And, um, you know, for that reason, I think quite niche. However, it totally ripped apart the, the game market at the time. Oh, totally. Um, and I think half of that, at least, if not for the open world style and, the, and that non-linear narrative kind of arc, is the music. Um, so... I quote. In an essay <laughs> written by moi, quoting Miller in 2007, um, I, I just really, I just want to say this because I really loved this quote, where gangster rap production is presented as both an avenue of upward mobility for young black men and a cynical commercial enterprise that may entail sacrificing one's street cred and artistic integrity. Um, I think that in itself is kind of key to how 
this whole world is built in San Andreas mm. and the game is, is kind of... You okay? So to set the scene, essentially, the way the game works is you listen. The music is incredibly, I guess. Would you say it's kind of presented as this diegetic sound? It's 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 part of the world because when you get in a car or a motorbike in the game and you boot it up like you would. But a it's real part car, of the world. So if, if you were in that world, it would be kind of non-diegetic sound, like it's coming from your radio. Is that right, or am I getting no? It is diegetic. Diegetic, sorry. Because yeah. if you're in the car yourself listening to the music, yeah, yeah, yeah. it'd just be like real life. It's literally. Instead of going out to your actual car and turning on the radio and listening to music, you're just doing it again yeah. in a video game. Yeah. So there's so many layers to that. I think oh, I find it so fascinating, the layers of the fact that, yeah, it's you're immersed in that world. That world is incredibly political, um, and it's immersed in this climate of, of gang wars and violence and racially charged tension. Um, and then on top of that is this extra layer where the sound of the radios is contributing to that atmosphere into that mm. conversation like it's just again such an adult game for something that <laughs> people just like to play to you know enact carnage to drive uh, around and kill people it totally changed the entire way games were made as i was saying oh, before yeah. with platforming yeah gta killed it gta is what killed mm. the platformer oh 100 um well fps games call of duty and gta is just what killed mm. yeah. ratchet and clank and all those old platform games because no one wanted to hop on planks anymore mm. they and wanted to around. kill people and mm. do whatever they want because Swing there's something so great. constrictive mm. about it so yeah that that's why i guess the soundtrack feeds into it so much because you have that freedom um if you in any other game and you're listening to the soundtrack you just mute the tv and yeah plug you know put on a, well back in those days you'd you didn't really put have an a option. cd on <laughs> i guess yeah. or you'd yeah. use your walkman um, I know when I was young, I used to, if I didn't like a soundtrack to a game, I'd just mute the TV and put mm. my iPod on oh, or I something. I just copped it. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm just going to sit here and play through it. Yeah. But. Um, but in this game, you have the freedom to just be like, oh, a country song's come on with the radio. I don't want to listen to that. I'm, I'll literally <laughs> listen to another radio station. It's so really I think, cool. I think to go back to that idea that I mentioned about, you know, um, what the artistic integrity and street cred as well, like that autonomy plays hugely into the way that the audience who plays that game feels and that, that's how they develop. You develop your own street cred or kind of, you know, aura yeah. about yourself by playing this game and by interacting with the different radio stations. Um, and then again, like, you're exposing different perspectives. You're kind of... You've got the casual radio listener and then you've got the gangster rap connoisseur and then the aspiring hip-hop artist all in this one world coming through on the radio. And, I mean, I was just looking at the official soundtrack so there's the official soundtrack that came out which is just a mix of the songs and then there's a box set release which has all of the music split into volumes dependent on the stations oh, that's so which cool. is incredible and like each station has its own sound that adds an extra layer to that broader conversation so you've got bounce fm which is like a funk station and then even in between you have the djs like oh, funk yeah. dj the the funky to the funk yeah the funk <laughs> voiced by george clinton like and he's always talking about like groove and love and and peace in the in the hood and like playing rick james and um cool and the gang and then if you switch over to radio los santos you've got tupac dr dre nwa which is so compton right yeah. like yeah, that's yeah, just yeah, compton yeah, yeah. um it's just incredible the diversity of of this soundtrack and the fact that it's so just underneath like yeah. it's really not in your face at all it's so well, it's an underlying factor which just completely elevates it in an entirely different that, way that's i guess the way gta has evolved 
with the most controversial game that's recently come out, the fifth one, yep. the radios also play a role in storytelling. Um, so mm-hmm. you can't have your TV turned down when you play these games anymore because you'll get something that come up, comes up on the radio and that'll be a part of a storyline you've done. Or Yeah, or if you've just like randomly like, I don't know, you've done something, maybe you've attacked someone or yeah. something like that and yeah. it just like comes up. Or a new a news report will yeah, come up and yeah, it'll be yeah. like a crazed man has just killed someone. Yeah. In this. But that's you know, blah, good blah, blah. if you can draw attention to to that using narrative, then you can draw attention back to these identity politics yeah. that the game seeks to explore with its sound and with its music. Um, you know, that's I guess relying on the fact if the audience is willing to pay attention to it. Because <laughs> I mean, as we we were talking about during the break, we won't probably won't go into it, but the game seems to have moved away from that initial kind of representation idea um, as it's progressed and now we're at GTA 5 and we have a kind of different view of, of characters and a different um, different kettle of fish but you know mm. that's I think the original concept is still very strong for that reason um, I would like to play for you all <laughs> the, the intro theme to Grand Theft Auto San Andreas we'll see you real soon this is OST on Sin Nation can I take your order please Carl what do you want you gotta eat to keep your strength up man hey I'll take a number nine Fat boy. Give me a number nine, just like his. Uh, let me get a number six with extra depth. I'll have two number nines, a number nine large, a number six with extra dip, a number seven, two number 45s, one with cheese, and a large soap. That right there was the Grand Theft Auto San Andreas theme intro music. Iconic. Iconic. Very iconic stuff. You are listening to OST here on Sin Nation with Aaron, Paul, and special guest tonight, Cash. Just quickly, Cash, before you jump in, um, I just wanted to cite that essay I was referring to in case any academic nerds out there cared. Um, It's by Kiri Miller. It was published in 2007, and it's called Jacking the Dial, Radio, Race, and Place in Grand (sighs) Theft Auto from the volume Ethnomusicology. You know what? I wish I had the <laughs> creative talent that some academics have with naming, I know, isn't it? With naming their essays. It's just like... I don't want to be an academic. Yeah, right? no. I don't <laughs> want to go down that path. <laughs> Cash, you had something to add about that yeah, one. Yeah. Um, just one thing I wanted to point out, I guess, in San Andreas, and I guess it's still somewhat constant in the newer games, but when you uh, steal a car or, like, you know, you jump into someone else's car and their radio is playing and you've it's reflective of the kind of person you steal it from, whether like a rich mm. person on from the rich side of the game or like the you know middle class or poorer side, or depending on what kind of car they were driving. It was really reflective, I guess, at the time of what people were actually doing back then as well. Yeah. Which I just thought was... If you stole a truck from the country, you'd yeah, be playing, it, like, in quotations here, hip music, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But then like if you stole a car from the ghetto, it would probably be playing Los Santos radio. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just, I don't know, I thought that was like a really cool thing that they that they put in because mm. it was just absolutely reflective of, I guess... Well, K, K... I'm just looking here. KDST is the classic rock station with DJ Tommy the Nightmare Smith. Voiced <laughs> by Axl Rose. Oh, OK, sure. <laughs> but the some, Axl Rose. Well, w the... Axl Rose, is that him? I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, some of the tracks on that are Leonard Skinnerd. Um, yes. Toto and Rod Stewart. So, Toto. you know, we'll just okay. leave that one there. They're not in the same boat as <laughs> Rod Stewart? Okay. It just seems like a strange mix. Billy Idol, White Wedding. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, okay. Anyway, let's move on to our next one. While we're we speaking of classics, I think we should talk about Fallout 3. Yeah, Fallout 3. Fallout 3, I absolutely love that game. <laughs> um, 
So Fallout 3 was released in 2008. Uh, it was released on the PS3 and the Xbox 360, and eventually on, on the PC. PC. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was released straight away on the PC, because, like, Steam wasn't the biggest thing back then. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm. yeah. I thought it um, came from the PC. I thought that was the whole kind of thing. No, oh, the first two games came from the PC. Oh, okay. Um, but... I believe Fallout 3 was the first console release for both of them. Oh, okay. Um, cool. As far as I know, anyway. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty certain that was the case. Um, you know, some cool voice actors like Liam Neeson. <laughs> Liam as Neeson's your, in this. What? Yeah, here's your, here's your father. I will, I will find what? you. Yeah, he's your father. Wow. But you've got to find him. Oh, Sorry. okay. It's the opposite yeah. of Taken. It's... Yeah, it's the opposite. <laughs> What alternate universe is this? <laughs> 2008. <laughs> um, you know, and you've got uh, Malcolm McDowell as president. Uh, Ron Perlman as well. Ron Perlman. Who's Ron Perlman? Um, he plays Hellboy. Oh, okay. In the Hellboy movies. No. So he's the narrator? Yeah, I think. What That's who Ron Perlman is. So, Jeff so Baker is everyone. This, how did this happen? Like, why Why is it so star-studded? Well, it's so weird because all... Well, this is developed by Bethesda. Yes. Who also mm. does the Elder Scrolls. Yes. And do they have another RPG that they do, or is it just Fallout? And um, I believe it's Fallout. Um, they, I want to say Diablo, but I'm not 100 percent sure. That's Blizzard. No, no, that is Blizzard. Yes. Yeah, so um, well, like no. the two kind of things they focus on is Elder Scrolls. Yes. And, and Fallout. Fallout, and it's so weird because to me, Skyrim is notorious for having the most shockingly awful voice acting. Yeah. <laughs> In all of history. So it's so weird it's... that this is star-studded. Because I knew there was all... something I didn't like about Skyrim, and now I know what it Hello, is. Hello, yeah. you have come to shop. What yeah. would you like to, sh- to get? To I just honest? thought it was nerd stuff, so I was like, oh, I don't like this game. But now that he said that, yeah. yeah. Voice acting is, like, I mean, it's better than Skyrim. Well, yeah, like, I mean, not... yeah, anyway. Yeah, so um, just to give you a general overview of the plot. So um, it's kind of set in a post-apocalyptic world uh, in 2077. Um, so it's quite in the distant future. Optimistic, optimistic. And it's uh, after the Great War between the U- US, China, and the Soviet Union. Uh, Didn't that already happen? Yeah, look. <laughs> look. <laughs> so um, I guess the general premise, though, is that there was that was like the major war that like completely destroyed the land. But prior to that, there was all these little like mini wars, civil wars, riots, and that sort of thing. And those sort of began, I'm going to assume, like 100 years, 130 years prior to that or something along those lines. Mm. Because... This game gives a very distinctive feel of, like, you feel like you're in, like, kind of the 40s, 50s, 60s with the kind of posters that they got going on. And, like, it's it's got the old, like, Coca-Cola ad sort of thing, but also with its soundtrack. Its soundtrack... It's really... I don't want to use a big word, but it's anachronistic in that way. What is that? What does that mean? (laughs) It's like time paradoxes, where it's like you find an electric guitar in medieval times, or you find... Um, like a printer in. I love a good time paradox. Seventeen hundreds. It's yeah. just like things that don't, shouldn't be in the time period they are. Yep. In the time period they exist in. Well, the most futuristic thing about the game is probably the robots and maybe what's like the hu- what's the, the um the pip boy thing. Yeah. Yeah. The pip boy. Pip boy. So yeah. it's like a little like device that monitors like, like, I guess your limbs or like your body and you can check your health and that sort of thing and then like, it just. Uh, for some reason stores all your armor and everything anyway so yeah you're like this um guy who's in a vault and you're trying to journey out to look for your father liam neeson and um yeah i don't know i sort of picked it because it was my favorite fallout game was my first fallout game that i ever played um so i hadn't played any fallouts previous to that but i was instantly hooked right from you know kind of 
the beginning of the game, you go out into a barren wasteland and like every town is basically a shanty town or some kind of shack of some sort. It's all <laughs> just scrap metal towns, basically. And um, as well as that, it was the first uh, Fallout game to have real-time combat. Um, the previous ones were top view, like bird's eye view sort of thing, and they were turn-based. So it was like more of a turn-based oh, RPG. Okay. It was just first one that's in a 3D engine, real-time and everything. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But the soundtracks mm. I found were quite fitting. So um, it, with your Pip-Boy, you had the radio option. So kind of like uh, GTA, I guess yeah, you had cool. your own little radio. And each radio, there was like a radio where it's just like propaganda and they're just like chattering about whatever faction is like leading the charge against the other faction and whatever. And, um, but then you had like the classic kind of musical radio stations and it features... Um, like some artists such as uh, Billy Munn, Billy Holiday, um, Cole Porter, Much of time The Ink Spots. <laughs> See, I think it's—I don't think it's an overused trope, though, to have no. the radio in the background in a video game, well, as common as it is. It's kind of interesting because um, a year before it's either like a year or a couple of years before Fallout came out, Bioshock was a really big thing. Yes, um, that was two K, and well, Bioshock yeah. was. That was a 2K game, wasn't yes. it? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a common misconception. I always I always thought it was some like a really like patrician game developer like yeah, Bethesda, no, but it's yeah, 2K. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yep. Um and BioShock was such a back to basics in terms of time period, like it's the 40s, everything's classical and um every time like they used as we were talking about on last week's episode, the horror episode, <laughs> using old-timey music for horror, like yep. for 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 scares. Um, that's what that whole game was about. So it's so interesting that Fallout 3 came out a year later yeah. and had a similar style of using that eerie music of the 40s yep. to create this whole barren wasteland yeah. kind of thing. But you also had really like upbeat kind of music like uh, Billy Munn's jazzy interlude, which was a really, really good song. Um, and it's just like the most upbeat, jazzy beat thing that you, you just want to dance to. And <laughs> it was just really nice that you could tune it in at any time because the world does tend to feel a bit lonely like when you're exploring from one town to another it's a huge map and it does tend to feel a bit lonely it can get a bit weird and you're just like oh man i really want something there and you just throw on the radio and i mean as well i think it's it was really important for the soundtrack especially for a generation like ours because I had no idea who any of these artists were other than Cole Porter who did Anything Goes and I only knew that because of the musical. But like in terms of, yeah, just 20s right through to like 50s music, I had no idea and now I'm really into it. Like I freaking love Billie Holiday it, and like... I love that. Yeah, to me nature. it's all, all, all also kind of made a backwards thing where you know someone's a Fallout fan by the amount of 20s to 40s crooner songs they can recite. Yes. You're kind of like, oh, you're a Fallout fan. You yeah. didn't actually <laughs> learn about any of that music by yourself. Yep. Um, and I find that so interesting, um, especially with there have been a couple more 3D versions of Fallout come out. Fallout 4 came out recently. Yep. Uh, we're getting a online version like tomorrow. Yeah. It's apparently a so bit of a. I failure. played the beta for 76. Soundtrack wise, it's really nice and it's okay. really relaxing. It's one of those kind of just like immersive, atmospheric kind of soundtracks from what I've gathered. But in terms of gameplay, we're not even going to go there. That's, <laughs> that's a whole other rant. But uh, yeah, that comes out tomorrow. Okay. So, um, Lots soundtrack. of games coming out this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Picked a good big, week to do this. <laughs> big <there>. games <laughs> week. Um, yeah, and I just want to throw out like the 
key moments, I guess, for me in this game was firing a fat man for the first time. For those I'm not really sure what this means. But <laughs> yeah, well, no. So a fat man is basically a mini nuke. Oh, and no, it, I know you have about like this a one, giant yeah. mini nuke and you shoot it and wherever it lands, it forms a mini mushroom cloud which is really, really cool. It didn't have the physical effects of a mushroom cloud, so it doesn't blow you away. I'm no. disappointed. I but thought it would have been an actual fat man. Do you know? Well, oh. <laughs> <laughs> look, if you look at the themes and the fact that you're practically American and let's not go there, but, you know. <laughs> yep. Um, but overall, just exploring the game is yeah. incredibly fun. Totally. Um, it's just one end to the other. Totally. Um, what song are we going to play, Cash? We're going to play what other song I mentioned before, Jazzy Interlude by Billy Munn. Thanks I hope you have your dancing shoes on. Get your dancing shoes on. This is Listen. OST. Woo. Yeah. Hey, Erin. Yes, Paul. What does OST stand for? I'm really glad you asked. It stands for Original Soundtrack. Oh, cool. Is there like a podcast for this or something? Or There is. You're listening to it right now. I'm what? That was Jazzy Interlude by Billy Munn. You're listening to Original Soundtrack, OST, here on Sid Nation. I just thought I'd do that funny voice because it fit with the theme. I appreciate it. Thanks. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did just talk about Fallout 3, I guess an RPG in its own right. We're going to jump from a Western RPG to a Japanese RPG, yes. Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII. It's, uh, it's fucking iconic. Sorry about my language, but like it, it is. It's just such an iconic game that, admittedly and embarrassingly enough, I haven't actually played yet. Neither, but I know enough. <laughs> but yeah, no, I know quite a bit, and I play the Final Fantasy card game because I'm a giant nerd, so oh. I know pretty much all the characters. The card okay. Their card effects actually are representative of the uh, game characters. Anyway. I thought that was bad, Aaron, but this is a whole bad. other level. You're, you're bad, <laughs> let's keep it rolling. Um... So the, I'll just jump straight into the soundtrack because it's one of the most uh, like important things. It was very iconic, the soundtrack. So uh, I guess a bit of backstory is that Final Fantasy VII was the first 3D Final Fantasy game and it was also the first mm. Final Fantasy game on the PlayStation 1. Because it was a Nintendo um, thing. Yeah, it was a Super something. Nintendo Entertainment System, so yeah. a SNES. Um, so why, just quickly, sorry, why, why the jump? Like, did they buy it out or was I it... I think Square Enix probably had a thing with, with Sony, Sony because yeah. Sony oh, okay. would... The, they would be on PlayStation for the rest of yep. time until they now. They pretty much have yeah. been, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Even all cool. other Square Enix games like Kingdom Hearts as well were exclusive yeah. to, to PlayStation, PS2. Yeah. So. Mm, yeah. Interesting. And I think now they're a bit safe because it's been like 10, 15 years <laughs> and contracts end. But, yep. Um, yep. So with uh, the soundtrack itself, the main composer, uh, Nobu U- Uematsu, I feel like Uematsu, yeah. Uematsu, yep. He um, had less than a year to compose the entire soundtrack, which, by the way, the game had four CDs because that's how big it was back then. Each CD has over an hour worth of music on each CD. So the entire soundtrack's about four and a half hours. Um, So, as I mentioned, it was the first uh, game developed for the PlayStation. Uh, Its media capabilities did allow the console for CD-quality music. However, Uematsu did opt to use MIDI sounds instead. Um, 
I'm not entirely sure what the difference is, Paul, if you know the difference. I know with difference. MIDI sampling, it's what they did with Nintendo 64 soundtracks, because they were even smaller. You had a cartridge to... Yep. Mm. You had like a 50 megabyte cartridge you had to fit gigabytes of sound onto, so you had to compress it in some way. I think MIDI compressing oh, okay. allows to use sampling instead of like actual sounds, if yep, that makes yep. sense. I think you kind of like drag sounds out of the cartridge and it makes... It's a different yeah, way of yeah, yeah. of using music, I yeah. think. Yeah. Okay. All good. Thanks. Sorry. I, just, <laughs> no, I thought no you, pro- you would probably know. <laughs> well, um, so the decision to use MIDI tracks uh, was to give the soundtrack a very distinctive mood and feel. And pretty much with every character, they have their own theme. With mm. every kind of dis- like definitive scene within the game, it just creates that sense of like emotion or like you know what you're gonna kind of expect from this character purely based on that um so yeah it formed a strong association for listeners between the game and the soundtrack um so the music was rendered using the um card sound sound chip which is actually really really important so he umatsu completely used the playstation one sound card to create this and using MIDI tracks. So he pushed the PlayStation 1 soundtrack to its full capabilities uh, very, very early I'm on. I'm sure so many people had burning PlayStations in their house around <laughs> 1997. <laughs> yeah. There's so many fires due to this stupid console. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was for uh, supposedly that it incorporated kind of like superior overall sound quality. Um, and the NES originally went so Final Fantasy VI and prior... Um, they had only eight sound channels, whereas the PlayStation had 24 sound channels. Eight were reserved for sound effects and leaving the rest of the 16 for um, for music. Mm. And he initially planned to use CD-quality music for um, with vocal performances uh, to take advantage of those capabilities, but he found that the advanced audio quality in turn made the game much longer for like loading times mm-hmm. in each area, and he decided that's just going to screw up the quality of the gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. And, Can like, you actually imagine if developers were like that these days they were like oh you want to decrease loading so it makes it more immersive but now they're just like <laughs> making the loading immersive instead <laughs> oh boy <laughs> well some games actually did incorporate like interactive loading screens yeah but just yeah. don't have yeah. such long loading screens yeah, like it's uh, anyway yeah but um so like the, and the soundtrack itself is pretty iconic or the game as well because it's it was something that playstation had over Nintendo for such a, a long time because Nintendo was obviously dominating by that point. They had Mario, they had everything else. Mm. And Sony, when they jammed out Final Fantasy VII, I'd say the soundtrack was arguably one of the most important things of the uh, game and absolutely yeah. made the game what it is. They were such in war the whole time being like the 32-bit and then 64-bit era. Yeah. They are all like, we have to be better than each other. So they had to pull all the stops, I guess. That's and why the soundtrack came out so good. Yeah, and just, I'm surprised that he did it in less than a year because if you go through and listen to the whole, like, four hours, if you've got the time, (laughs) it's just every track, there's not a bad track. There's not Mm. a bad track. And it's just amazing what he was able to do in less than a year utilising a PlayStation 1 sound card at the time. So I think it was pretty impressive, personally. Mm. Um, But, yeah, that's pretty much all I had to say about it. Can I ask, who's Aerith? Aerith. Oh, uh, Aerith is the kind of main love interest of the game. Oh, yep. Okay. Um, okay. Who's in love with Cloud. Yep. Uh, who's the most emo attractive when... Because uh, Cloud is still in the game. <laughs> now in, like, Final Fantasy Final Fantasy <laughs> 15, he's, like, an emo sad boy. And he's... Right. Yeah. Anyway, but back then, he was a block. Yep. He was, like, two rectangles next to each other to create yeah. a human, human being. 
Um, and the ma- main villain Sephiroth yep. uh, kills Aerith in like in front of you. Oh. Uh, spoilers for this game, yeah. whatever. It came out twenty one years ago. You don't, you know this by now. Um, and just I like didn't. Sephiroth, just like has this long ass sword and just like oh, stabs God. Aerith through the chest, oh. and you have to like sit there as it happens, yep. and then hold her oh. as she dies. Dank. And yeah. it's just so sad. And that kind of starts a rivalry between Cloud and it's it's like a. Um, melodrama TV show. Yeah. It starts a rivalry between Cloud and Sephiroth for like the entirety of the games. Yeah. And that rivalry even makes its way into a game I love, Kingdom Hearts. Yep. Uh, where they're actually rivals in that game. So it's like one of the most like iconic video game rivalries of all time because he stabs your your love interests. I love yeah. love watching my, my lover get stabbed. That's juicy. <laughs> um <laughs> such an emotional roller coaster, eh boys? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to a song, Cash. What have you got lined up for us? Uh, so we've got Birth of a God, which is uh, the theme right before the main one-wing angel theme. And I believe this is kind of where like Sephiroth kind of powers up sort of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. And yeah, just like right before the big final battle if between them two. If you ever need Cloud. motivation for going for a run or doing something, put on one-winged angel yep. and you will be like ready to take on the world because it's such <laughs> a bad- badass song. Anyway, we're going to play this one. This is more of like an energetic pumping one. This is Birth of a God by Amo Iwat, uh, Umatsu. Nobu Umatsu. Umatsu. <laughs> From Final Fantasy VII, you're listening to OST, original soundtrack, Sid Nation. to OST here on Sin Nation. That was Birth of a God by... I still can't get this name Nobu. right. Nobu Umatsu. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. You don't have to do the accent as well. Nobu Umatsu. Like. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Nice I got work. it. You are on OST here on Sin Nation with Aaron Paul and Akash tonight. We are accelerating towards the finish line here, folks. Oh, yeah. We are going to... Um, Much like a skateboard going down a hill. Oh, stop it, Paul. We are accelerating stop towards it. the bottom of the hill, which well, is the show. Yeah, okay. So we're about to cram <laughs> a couple of games into one here because we are running dreadfully out of time. Um, so we do have a skateboarding game in there. Um, it's Tony Hawk Pro Skater. So to give you a rundown of Tony Hawk Pro Skater, the franchise itself... Um, Gosh, branches what ninety nine to two thousand and four. It's still well. Uh, the still last going? pro skater yeah. came out three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Two critical trashing. Well, but I mean, like the good ones. The, yeah. Well, between, good ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Great. I'm glad we agreed on that one. <laughs> um, and it stars Tony Hawk himself, Bob Burnquist, Bucky Lassick. I think these are all skaters. I'm yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they are. I know Bob is, but I don't know the other two. And Chad, Muska, Muska. Muska. Yeah. All skaters, which is, I mean, good. Authenticity is important. Oh, totally. <laughs> um, the developers with this were never soft, which is quite ironic because you, ne- you you can't be soft and play this game. You've got to be quite no. hard. Um, <laughs> I've never played this game, FYI, guys. I just like, you I love, I love the knees. meme value. Yeah. yeah. Knee scrapes are real. Yeah, yeah. Especially in the game. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting with Neversoft because they didn't just make Tony Hawk. They also made the Spider-Man games. Yeah. And the Guitar Hero. I don't like that. And Guitar Hero. And so. the really I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> I really don't like that. All the edgy games in one. If we were going to talk about the real edge lords tonight, guys, it's never soft. Um, and I guess in terms of the soundtrack, the Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtrack features music by the Dead Kennedys, the Ernie, the Ernie, sorry, Goldfinger, Primus, 
the Ramones, Rage Against the Machine, of course. Nice. Dealer Soul, Alien Ant Farm. Mm. Oh, boy. Um, system of a Down. Right. Rip. System of a Down. Run DMC, ACDC, and Exhibit. And many more. That's just that's scraping like just the, the very tiny part of the Beastie Boys barrel. in here. Oh, Beastie Boys as well. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. It's, it's very... I mean, I think when we talk about game soundtracks, they can be quite... Um, similar when it comes to sporting game soundtracks, I think. And, I mean, skateboarding is different. Um, but if you if we were to compare this with the likes of, say, a WWE game... Oh, oh here comes the wrestling. <laughs> here, here comes, here comes the, pain. the pain. Here comes oh. the pain. I th- well, I guess if you're looking at, like, yeah, early 2000s WWE or wrestling game soundtracks... So good. They're all, there's a lot of, like... Edge. Yeah. Both L- limp biscuit, L- there's, there's, yeah, yeah, edge, edgy stuff. Um, kid Rock, um, it's that kind of vibe, I guess. I don't know. Is there a word for that vibe? Uh, they went through a few transitions though, because they went from like edgy alt rock from the early two thousands mm. to kind of like but more hip hop and rap. And, like, so did money in the bank. skating mm. and yeah. sporting games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's like we were saying with Ratchet and Clank. Like yeah. trends have been so hard to pin down, especially at that time. Yeah. In, in nineteen ninety nine, when you're a skater, you listen to Scar and like. Um, yeah, um, yeah. those ska bands like ska punk. Uh, but now skaters listen to Mac DeMarco and more Tyler lo-fi stuff yeah like there's no the kind of pin you can put on skaters or sports people either so when you're making sports soundtracks it's so hard to <laughs> pick what's going on because even with yeah. the 2K basketball games yeah. um, uh, well funnily enough one of my favourite Australian bands Ballpark Music was picked by a rapper to feature on the uh, 2K19 NBA soundtrack, mm-hmm. and it's like, how do you, how do these people like pick <laughs> these soundtracks? Because it's so weird. Diverse, I think. At the end of the day, as easy as sport games are easy to pigeonhole in terms of their dynamic and in term- and their sounds as well. If we're talking about soundtracks, um, I think as we have progressed into the 21st century they've become more diverse in their soundtracks if you look at fifa as an example so fifa i mean has been running for a long time since 93 um, and is still incredibly popular today and i think if you think about who's playing fifa who's buying fifa and then what they're gaining from fifa so we talked about loading screens right like you're not gonna have music playing while you're playing the football but it's you know makes up most of the the time that you are otherwise doing anything else on yeah. the game yeah you're on your menus and stuff and then when you're waiting for things to load etc um there's always music playing and the music is i guess in more recent versions i guess from i'm in my recent memory from like maybe fifa 15 onwards is a good mix of kind of unearthing indie artists yeah and then totally. this really big commercial hits that kind of target the market that they're looking for but then I have so many mates who are not music fans or lovers by any means but they play FIFA and go oh have you heard of this band Ballpark Music they're on this game right you know what I mean like, but yeah. it's, it's that kind of um, I think in that way sporting games and I mean FIFA's a really prominent example but if you think about any 2k game in the last five years they are a prime distributor for music to people outside of any you know, standard listenership for yep. for any kind of artist or, or music base, um, which I find fascinating. I find that so fascinating. Well, it, it's such a different way to discover music because you can yeah. just go on Spotify, you can look up on the internet and just type in music and you're going to find a whole range of stuff. But as you said, with loading screens and being on the menu, you're kind of stuck. 
Yeah. Like you're forced to be in that situation and hear it and then go, oh, okay, I like this. Well, one really fun thing, particularly with the old SmackDown versus Raw WWE games, um, but I'm pretty sure a lot of other games had this option back then. Used to be able to jump through the menus and stuff and you could actually... Um, in SmackDown vs. Raw, go to like each wrestler's yes. theme song yeah, and just that. play it, and you play oh it out, God. and then you could go down to the actual additional songs that weren't wrestler's theme mm-hmm. songs, and you could play those out too. And that, for me, like that's how I discovered some of like my favorite brands of today, pretty mm-hmm. much just through going through those menus, seeing who it was by, and also just being really edgy listening to uh, Randy Orton's theme song. Mate, do you know what it was for me <laughs> on SmackDown vs. Raw 2008? And I would always just like scroll, scroll, scroll until I got to Maurice's theme song. Pourquoi? And then it was like, pro- that's produced by like, I think the WWE music producers. CFO. Yeah, CFO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like, it uh, just goes to show, right, though, that um, games don't only function as like an immersive space where it's like, here, here's the music, like, enjoy it. But yep. it's also a library for browsing as well, yeah. in, if, if that function exists in a game. I don't know how even, like, common well, that is anymore. Well, even yeah. from other games, like even adventure games and platform games, a feature of 100%ing it would be in those days, in PS2 days, unlocking a song. Yeah. Or you'd unlock... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, Bonus I, tracks. What's coming into mind is Rayman, like Rayman yep. 3. I think Smash if you beat Brothers the game... Or Smash Brothers was a prime example. If you got achievements, you'd unlock songs to listen to later. Um, just so interesting, like you're being rewarded with <laughs> yeah. free music. It's like, hey, you know, here you go. Here's some tunes. Mm. Yeah, no, it was absolutely amazing, I think. And back then, you kind of had to. Like, you, mm. the options were play through Lime the game, wire. and if you really wanted the soundtrack or you really wanted something, you play it. Now it's just like, oh, we've got a microtransaction. You can buy the song for <laughs> yeah. $2.50. It's just, it's not a, yeah, it's a whole different... This on-demand <laughs> capitalist society. It's a whole <laughs> different debate. But. Just like Ratchet and Clank's world. And we're full circle. Ooh, boom. <laughs> <laughs> I think on that note, while we're talking about anarchy, anti-capitalism all that kind of stuff. We should play a Rage Against the Machine song. Oh, yes. To finish off, which is prominently featured in Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I'm sure you can find a Rage Against the Machine song in a WWE game. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I can't quote it off Wouldn't the top of my head, me. but there's definitely a Rage Against the Machine song somewhere and absolutely a Beastie Boys one somewhere definitely. in 2005. Like, it was for sure. Yeah. Well, we're going to play ourselves out to this Rage Against the Machine song, Gorilla Radio, which you may know from there album the battle of los angeles we've been ost here with paul aaron and our very special video game expert guest akash Hola. if you want to find us on places you can find us on facebook at ost sin and if you're listening on podcast thank you very much for listening to us on podcast if you're listening live thank you very much we'll see you next week this is rage against the machine guerrilla radio on ost original soundtrack see you next week what's Bye. happening fellas in case you're wondering why bam and i invited you here tonight let us enlighten you. World Destruction Tour. Around the world, sick as hell skating competition that Tony and I threw together and you, Jagoffs, are going to compete in. Want more from OST? Check us out on Facebook at OST Original Soundtrack.